Hi, I'm Jake Miller, host of the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all of our other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Shooks and GIF, Season 4, Episode 2. Kim is still on hiatus, but in this episode, I am joined once again by the incredible Andy Losick, and we talk about Chrome tabs, sites for Creative Commons pictures, uh, tools for large online gatherings, and finally, a whole bunch of HyperDoc goodness. Let's give it a go. Welcome to Shooks and GIF, the podcast where we share edtech treasures we love. Each week, we'll share a tool, podcast, tip, or trick with you, our listeners. We are your hosts, Kim Polishuk and Jen Giffen. Let's give it a go. Hey, Andy. Hey, Jen. Do you know what you get when you mix a dog and a snowman? Uh, I do not know, but I have some visuals. <laughs> you get frostbite. Oh, got it. <laughs> All right. So welcome back. You also, get yellow, you you also get, get yellow snow. You do get yellow snow. You're welcome. Gross. All right, everyone. Hi and welcome. Jen Giffen here. Kim is still on hiatus and I am joined as promised one more time by friend of the show, Andy Losick. Andy, welcome back. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm still riding high from the USA's 2 nothing win over Canada last night in the World Junior Hockey Championships. Uh, over there in Edmonton. Yeah, so, so that uh, that ends this episode of Shooks and GIF. We'll talk to you all later. Um, <laughs> um, we're not friends anymore. Uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. We actually, I went to I went to bed a bit early. I was exhausted because it's in Edmonton. It's two hours behind where we are. It didn't start till nine, and I was like, you know what? I ugh, they didn't play well. We got completely outplayed. What can I say? Um, so congratulations, uh, the young men of the U.S. for your goal, but also congratulations to the young men here in Canada because it is winning a silver, not losing a gold. As, uh, as absolutely that's what we said when Sidney Crosby broke our hearts in the Olympics a few years ago in the gold medal but, but so. do you know fun fun fact fun gif and trivia for that I uh, gave birth to our first son Bennett between the Canadian men winning gold in curling and the Canadian men winning gold in hockey and we have a picture of Bennett like days old in the hospital held up against like the tiny little TVs that they give you in hospitals or they used to 10 years ago um, before they had like iPads and stuff. We have him like all wrapped up in a blanket, all swaddled with his little teeny face beside a little teeny TV with little teeny um, Sidney Crosby being donned his gold medal. It's one of my favorite like birth pictures of my son because oh my gosh, did I ever cry. And thank goodness I was not holding Bennett at the time that they scored that goal. We had friends in and she was one of my friends was holding and I like, I flew up in excitement. It was, oh, it was so good. We'll, we'll ride that glory for a while. Well, you have to throw the bone to the U.S. every once in a while. So uh, I think that's our first world title in four years. Yeah. So we have to keep great, it great, great hockey being played all across this yeah. North American continent. Do you know what I found? And now though? that we have two listeners left, yeah, exactly. Maybe we can move on. <laughs> Maybe we could. Um, you know what? One last thing about the juniors, though. I felt so bad for parents. Like, imagine watching your kid go through yeah. that level of competitive sport. I don't care what sport you're playing. 
and then not be able to be there live. So hopefully we're all wearing our masks. Hopefully we are all, you know, socially distancing and, and doing what we're, to, we're supposed to do, getting the vaccines um, if we can and when we can so that we can come out the other side of this pandemic. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk ed tech. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, it's your show. You kick it off. Okay, super. I'm going to do something. I added two things uh, to our notes that we didn't have when we said, hey, let's come back. We have so much. I have two new things again, as I always do. One is one I discovered this morning. Not discovered. I shouldn't say that. One is one I started using literally this morning. So uh, a little while back, Chrome introduced a feature. If you have the most updated version of Chrome, which is Chrome version, I have no idea. Go to the Timbits and check it out. Um, they have Chrome tabs now. So if you hover over in Chrome, any one of your tabs, you can right click and it gives you the option. The second one, add tab to new group. So if you click add tab to new group, you can create a group. So here's what I did this morning. I we've gone um, fully remote. So I'd normally be seeing here. Oh, I said very remote, very Canadian there. Do you hear that? Hey, very remote. <laughs> Sometimes I hear my O's, my boots. Um, anyway, we were doing we're doing work on documentaries. And then before I'm going to release the assignment to my students, I want to know that they've done all the pre work because you know how students are with virtual learning right now. They're not getting everything done in a timely fashion. So I, I scheduled things to go out in, in Google Classroom to some kids, so they had the assignment. And for other students, they had to work on all the, the preamble to lead up so that they're going to be ready. Point of the story is this. I had two sets of tabs that I needed to access. So if I was helping a student with the pre-stuff, there was about five tabs I needed open. If I was helping the groups with writing the actual analysis and their viewing of their documentary, there was another set of groups. So what did I do? Right-click, created uh, a tab group called pre and another one called doc. That was it, because I knew what those meant. And then I was able to, on, on all the tabs I had open, right click and decide whether to put them into the pre or the doc tab. Now here's what I loved about it, because we know how real estate matters in Chrome. Instead of having a ton of tabs open little and I didn't know which were which, all I needed to do was click the tab that said pre and it would expand or collapse all the tabs in that group. I also learned, I accidentally, this was fluky, grabbed the pre-tab and dragged it, and I was able to pull that whole group out into its own window. So for me, yeah, right? Like if you want multiple windows open, if you're, if, especially like think about sharing in Zoom or Meet, if you're like, oh, I wanna share a window, but you don't want all the tabs, you just want, oh, I want this group of tabs. Tab management is huge for me because as we've talked about on the show, Kim and I have tabitis, right? That, that condition where we have 100,000 tabs open at one time. Chrome tabs is awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes to um, how, how you deal with them and what you can do. Someone, I, I wrote on Twitter, I said, I, I think I've just fallen in love with this. And someone said, well, every time I, I close it, I lose them. And so someone linked to the fact that, you know, you can in your Chrome settings say, when I open Chrome again, make sure it's where I used to be. So they'll all be saved there. And someone else mentioned that when they use tab scissors and tab glue, the extensions to split and then glue back together tabs, um, that it actually then collapsed the group. So be wary of that. You might want to play if you are using um, that Chrome extension. I'm a, I'm a tab resize girl for my Chrome extensions for splitting, and I haven't tried that yet. And now, Andy, you said that your daughter just told you about these too. Yeah, r last night she was working on homework, and she had shown me how she had taken each of her classes and stuff that she needed for each class, she had grouped into different tabs. So then, so now she's got only four tabs as opposed to like 36 tabs, seriously, like legitimately that yeah. she would have open. So it, w it was great. And I see this helping me most 
for my social media distraction when I'm trying to work on something. But for some reason, every three and a half minutes, I'm flipping up to that Twitter tab or something because something, you know, there might be something new there yeah. or Facebook or whatever. So if I can take those sites, throw them in a social tab and then resist the urge to, to go click there, I see that being uh, great for productivity that way. But I think of the teachers that are online that have multiple preps that are doing Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, a little bit of organization and forethought. You could put everything that you need for the second hour, have those four or five tabs that you're going to use and share in there. Also, it cleans up when you share your screen. It just cleans it up nicely for everybody that I, way. I totally agree. Those distractions for any student, um, be they a student with an exceptionality or th that they're looking like, what tab are they on? And they're trying to look at, it can help them focus in um, with the virtual space that we're living in. I love it. I, I really love them. I encourage people to try them. I actually tried them when they first came out and I was like, man, I don't get it. Um, it wasn't how I thought it worked, but I, I, I thought that they were going to come into a tab and then I'd have like drop downs underneath, almost like a list like you have in bookmarks. And I was like, oh, that's what I want. And I didn't explore it. I'm so glad I came back to it today. Cause like you said, teaching, especially if we have one after another, I usually have a few windows open, but now I can only have one and I'm not worried about what window am I in. I love it, love it, love it. That's my first share, Chrome tab groups. Love them. Okay, Andy, go. All right, so it was awesome to listen to you and Brian talk about another free uh, Chrome-based, Create with Chrome video editor called, um, Recordcast mm -hmm. or Recordcast, depending. <laughs> uh, Recordcast. I realized um, afterwards, I'm like, I guess it is record because we're recording. We're not playing records. <laughs> like that. No, it's that's not happening. So whatever. That was my idiot we, moment. Um, <laughs> I remember when records were kind of going out, and we did some record casting um, in the dorm, just like seeing how far we could make them fly down the hallway. Oh, that sounds fun. That's, that's totally different there. <laughs> but uh, now I'm now I'm like, wish I had all that vinyl back. I collecting vinyl again uh but anyway um and, and then on our episode we talked about how you can edit and screencastify so i'm going totally off our sheet here this, this one just hit me just an aha do it um talk about uh, a website called pexels.com p-e-x-e-l-s.com and that has uh free to use um 100 uh, legit can take and download video clips of all kinds of things from across the world. So like if you do a quick, um, quick search of just tropical and you're just hit with, with tons and tons of these, um, these beach videos that you're fully licensed to download and use for projects and things like that. And, I love um, that. Now, here's the thing with Pexels is I think if people have heard of it, they probably know they have a lot of stock images. In fact, Pexels, if I'm not mistaken, was bought by Canva. And so oh, all, nice. all of Canva's images are there, but I don't think people know that there's also this stock video. I didn't know this until I took a course with one of my favorites, Tony Vincent, um, back yep. in the fall, maybe this fall or was it last spring? I can't remember which course it was. And I discovered that I'm like, this is, this is like so changing for my whole life. The fact that this stock video is there. Well, and it, for me, it breaks down immediately um, for kids, this idea of what we can go and get for free and used in a serious project and what is stealing uh, that digital citizenship thing. I mean, it's amazing. So, so 
like I typed in football and there were 292 videos for football wow. here that you could use. And there are different kinds of football. So like I see, I see soccer in Spain and I see um, a Northwestern Wildcats football game here. Beautiful. So you have both kinds of football. The real football and the not so real football, and you can decide. Oh, snap. Uh, uh, per, you can you're, decide personally which one you're going to go with. I will not weigh in on that. Topic you are making enemies very today. Personal. No, and, I'm not. I mean, either side of the coin has something on it. So there you go. Um, but but seriously, um, Pexels is is just a fabulous um, fabulous resource that way. And while we're on this. Um, while we're on this train of talking about uh, free and public domain uh, images and videos, mm -hmm. uh, the next one I'll throw in here is pickroll, like the uh, like the fish, uh, but spelled uh, kind of um, more like acrylic and pick. So p i c r y l dot com, and it builds itself as the world's largest public domain. Source. And so it has free access to um, tons and tons of images. And if you just go through the free portal, uh, you're able to download SD um, images. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also, if you sign up, it gives you cloud-based collections. So anything that you download, you can save to your own collection. And so I do a... Um, I do all kinds of like art and craft projects and things. And, and with my Glowforge laser laser printer, laser cutter, I'm always looking for images that are in the public domain that I can sometimes that I can somehow recreate. A fun thing to do is to get maps, and then you can a little bit of photoshopping. You can create different layers, so where you have like a background, and then all the roads, all the streets in the city are their own cutout layer that you put on top there. And Pickroll is loaded with these uh, these fire insurance company maps going all the way back to the to the 1800s. So I went to I found one from Boston from the 1800s, and I went to that section of the city where I know Fenway Park is, and it shows you like the map from the 1800s what Fenway Park looked like um, back then. The ones of Detroit are really cool too. Just see see the old the, the old layout there but it's just loaded with all of these these images that you can use from all these collections and so they kind of go out and they tap into things like the United States Library of Congress where everything in there is public domain and, and all of these other public domain sources I think of it like kayak.com when you're searching for the best airfare or it it goes out Trivago they go out and they bring back results from all these travel sites. Well, Pickroll goes out and it brings back results from all these places that have uh, public domain images. And you, there's just, it's just fascinating uh, in there, whether your kids are using them for projects or something, there's so many tie-ins um, curriculum wise that go with, uh, with social studies and, and history. And I guess that is, that is social studies there. Um, but, but just, just infinite, uh, types of ways that you can bring these things into the classroom. And once again, uh, we're talking digital citizenship, we're talking intellectual um, property, we're talking, you know, academic integrity. Uh, these are all free to use and they can become all kinds of really neat things. Uh, 
one collection I stumbled in a total rabbit hole. Uh, they have this huge collection of papers that Rosa Parks had, um, and and it's it's everything from travel brochures for, and souvenirs, places she went to going back to her, you know, the bus boycott and and her arrest and just just fat. I mean, it's just fascinating. I spent tons of time. It was around that Thanksgiving break, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving break. Um, and it was, um, you know, I spent hours and hours just digging through. It's just, it's just amazing. That's really cool. I've actually, I clicked on one and they have collections. So I went into one about World War One, And when I clicked on a photo, not only does it show me the photo, it gives me this really extensive background to the photo, where it was taken, where, um, who's in it, what was happening around that time. Um, like the backstories in with it too, rather than just a photo so that students could understand, you know, the, the history of that photo too is, is fantastic. This is a definite, definite dive into if you're a social studies teacher, for sure, with what I've seen anyway, in my three minutes, I've been looking at it. That's awesome. Oh yeah. And, and the, and it's, um, like some of these, like there's, there's from the very academic like that to completely oddball, there's the magician's. Um, collection and it's all these old all these old posters that go back from like traveling alexander the man who knows these posters um which are just fabulous artwork and uh, off the wall stuff too i love it i love it that's awesome great share thanks okay my next share is from another friend of the show love shared it with and shared it on twitter and tagged me is Sandra Chow, who is currently in Beijing, China, but she shared um, not only on Twitter, but then in a, in a group chat we have on uh, Hangouts about something called Wonder. Have you seen this, Andy? This is crazy. Wonder.me. So, Andy, if you want to click the link inside our show notes there, it will, it'll take the first one, like where it says Wonder. It will take you and it yep. says it's called Online Gatherings that are fun, social, and then it sort of goes through all of these words. And I played with it very limitedly by myself because I had like a loser one person wonder. Um, but the idea is you can invite all people in. It, it looks very much like like a lot of the platforms that we see, like Google Meets or you know Zoom or thing or go to meeting, in a way. But you go in and you have when you go in, you take your picture, you smile, give a little picture, and then you become this little circle in this space imagine like a canvas so like imagine you have google drawings open and then you have your little avatar that you can drag around and there's a little dot as you get close to someone you can get in a circle with them and it allows you to video chat one-on-one with just that person and someone else can come in so you're all in the same space but you can do like the breakout rooms more organically so i gotta be honest i really don't like breakout rooms in google meet I, I, I've tried them. I want them to work. I want to love them. And I can't. I don't like that if I'm sharing something with the class, I'm like if I'm presenting my screen, because I, I almost always have something up that I'm sharing. So if students join late, they have instructions like, hey, this is where we're at, like our agenda, whatever it happens to be. And I don't like when I leave to join a breakout group, my screen stops stop sharing. I also hate that when I come back in, I've lost everything in the chat. So if students ask things while I was gone, it's gone. Um, oh. These are things I don't like. What, so here's what can happen inside Wonder. And again, this is very limited how I've explored it. I think I'm going to have my students try this, if not today or tomorrow, my grade 11s, because I, I think it'll solve some of the problems I'm having right now. I have students working on their culminating activities for because we're finishing up the semester and they're all working in small groups. And they sort of want to be there with me, but they also 
I, I want them to be able to hear. So I don't know if you know the Breakout Rooms Chrome extension. Um, it's great. It's like a little purple logo or it's purple square with a little white B in it. Every time mm-hmm. I've installed it, it crashes my computer. It basically, I won't let me into the meet. I join and then it's like trying to join, trying to reconnect, trying to reconnect. It just doesn't work with my Mac. I'm not sure what I've done because I know a lot of people use it to some success. But if you don't have the ability to do that, or if you don't have enterprise for meet and you're using Google meet, I think this might be a really cool alternative, even just for those days where you want to have sort of group work, you want to simulate that that walking, that kinesthetic learning that we're lacking in the online environment. It allows you to create room areas. So you can be like, okay, here's room area is for group one. This is group two, group three, and say, okay, go to your group, go in there and yep. find out, you know, where, where you are, or you could do it by interest, like a community building at the beginning of class. It might look like that. Um, you can change the background of the room, which is kind of fun. You create passwords. So unless someone has the password, they can't come in and, and wonder bomb you. Wonder bomb. That sounds amazing. There um, we go. <laughs> you have icebreaker questions. Bread. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have icebreaker questions. So when people come in, you can ask them icebreaker questions and then group them with people who are like-minded if you wanted to do that. It's, they, and you can have a, it's free and you can have up to 1,500 people on it. It's insane. And my, my favorite part is that you can broadcast. So as the room owner, I can sit there and be like, okay, you guys are all having little conversations. And then I hit this broadcast button and it says your, your conversation will be interrupted in, and it gives them a 10 second countdown to finish their thought. And then everyone is muted and the room owner can broadcast to the room instructions or things they want to share, whatever it happens to be. I, I just think it looks so amazing and I cannot wait to try it with my students this is one of those things where were you in March last year right. for, for people, but I don't know, maybe, maybe now that we've done this long enough that this is a solution that we'd know more about. I love the fact that um, I can physically see where everybody is that way with the, with the icons and teacher wise, you can, like you said, you can, you can send them to the groups and you can, you can move around. And I think, about uh, so many conferences that we're used to going to these big convention centers and just seeing our ed tech families and and finding your your area where you all hang out in the exhibit hall or whatever. Um, this would be great for online conferences to have just organic meetup places where people can can go and meet to like um, like in Michigan we have for McCall we have are you know special interest groups so there's um you know there's elementary ed and there's um you know there's the the media specialists and there's uh computer science and that stuff you could you could have like you said 1500 people and then you could have these rooms set up this way how about do an ed camp do an ed camp in wonder this way where each room then becomes what somebody decides they want to share and present on. So I think I think it's is... so cool. It's so, for that. I, I love all of those. Right. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that we can use this, be it with our students or be it with other professionals. Anyway, I, I strongly encourage people to check it out. I have not looked into their privacy policy, to be fully honest with you. And that's part of the reason that I'm not probably going to jump into it today with my students. I, I, I think they do need to create an account, but I'm not sure about that. So depending, I know, you know, in my district that's frowned upon, so I may not be able to try it with them. I might just have to try it with my own children um, and see what it looks like. But I, I really encourage people to, to check it out and dive in and see if it may meet some needs that you're not, that aren't being met for either you or your learning community uh, in, in the virtual environment. Wow. What a great share. This is, this is, this, this could take your, I mean, you could spend your whole afternoon just 
coming up with ideas and organizing things. I spent a fair bit of time last night playing around. Um, and then I talked to someone who I said, it just work on iPads. And someone said it did for audio, but not the video of it. They found that it's, okay. it's best on an actual desktop. So consider that with your learners as well. Like I know at home. Like Chromebook. Yeah, yeah, I think Chromebooks should be okay. Very yeah. cool. It's very cool. Okay. All right. Do you have something else you want to share with us? Um, why don't you do the next one? Because our, because our final two kind of go together. Okay. Well, so, you know what? I'll skip ahead. I'll skip on. ahead to the, the final two. I'll, I'll, once again, this is the third time I'm going to put this on, on back burner until the next episode. It's so good, but I just, I feel like I need more time. So let's jump ahead to all the hyperdocs. I love hyperdocs. When I left the classroom to go up to my district role in 2016, the summer of 2016, I, um, I, or I, I was on Twitter and I said, that's when I really started, you know, engaging a lot more in social media when I went to the, my district role, because I knew it would be a small team and I wouldn't have the same ability to reach out to people like in a, as I would in a building of high school English teachers, which is where I was coming from. And I, I heard about this book. I kept seeing this like hashtag hyperdocs. And I was like, what is this? This sounds kind of fun. And I clicked on it and I started exploring. I realized there was a book. I ordered the book and I devoured this book. I'm like, these women are geniuses to the point where I was almost hoping that I might get sent back to the classroom for a year to try it out. It's like, I need to mm -hmm. do these. And I started rolling out hyperdocs in, um, in professional development with teachers, encouraging them to use it with students. And of course, we've seen a huge explosion of hyperdocs um, in and now in emergency remote learning and virtual learning, blended learning, whatever you know model you happen to be in, there are tons of hyperdocs being used because it's a really great way to engage students, to give choice, to be self-paced, um, to differentiate when we're not necessarily with our students. So if you don't know about hyperdocs, I highly suggest um, having a look at uh, Lisa Highfill, Sarah Landis, and Kelly Hilton's book, The Hyperdoc Handbook. You can also go to hyperdoc.co and find um, find a whole bunch of resources. Uh, there's a free portal, but you can also uh, pay or su well, subscribe. And they have all of this PD, which I found about. They've just launched it. I went and I watched um, in replay one of their uh, sessions at ISTE. And I watched that. And I also watched uh, Lisa Highfill in one with... Uh, who is she presenting with? With Holly Clark about the Infused Classroom. And they talked a lot about hyperdocs and that. Anyway, my point is... I am going to share inside um, the show notes for this show a ton of sample hyperdocs and sample multimedia text sets. And let me take a minute to describe the difference. So a multimedia text set are one of those, like it might be one slide with a whole bunch of options um, to, to go. So it might be like, oh, read this and now explore this on a, usually on a single topic. Whereas a hyperdoc is a curated lesson that goes through the hyperdoc cycle where we first um, allow kids to explore and then we explain um, and then we have them create or apply. Then we have them uh, reflect and we might have them extend. I feel like I missed one in there. I feel like there's six anyway. Um, but in this Lisa Highfield, who actually ended up, ended up, I, I took a course with uh, Lisa and Kelly and Sarah and I got to know them online really well. And then Lisa came to Canada 
um, to do a keynote address at a conference. And I begged the organizers to let me pick her up at the airport. And I did. And of course she got to the, she got to the airport. And when she, when they asked her, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I'm visiting a friend. She didn't tell them she was going to a conference. They're like, oh, where do you know this friend? She's like from Twitter. And she literally almost got deported because like, no, you're about to get catfished lady, go home. Um, but anyway, that was her thing. And then we became, Lisa and I became, and, and Sarah and Kelly too, but, but Lisa I'm probably closest with of them. And, and so Lisa and I became very fast friends. And then last, well, not this, not summer of 2019, I went to uh, San Francisco for a conference and Trevor, the man, my husband and I went down to, uh, to San Fran earlier. And Lisa actually took us on a tour of the Napa Valley. She drove us around Napa. And so we spent like a fraction of the money we would have going on a, a big tour. So thank you, Lisa, for that. But anyway, Lisa is in um, this ISTE thing and she shared a ton of sample multimedia tech sets and hyperdocs for elementary and for secondary um, students. There is like, if you need a hyperdoc on something, it is there. And this is what I love about hyperdocs and that community is uh, they do a play on the teachers pay teachers. They have um, their Twitter handle for the three of them combined is tease give tease because they're like, no, no, no. We don't want to work um, against each other. We don't want to have to like pay each other. We're all in this together. Let's share everything out. And the idea is remix anything you want, like absolutely anything you want and just make sure you give credit where credit is due. So you might take the content and change the way it looks. You might take the way it looks and change the content, or you might use it as is, just make sure you you know credit your source as we like to do with teachers. But this, they're gold mines. When she shared these, I was like, oh my goodness. Because if the topic you're not looking for or you're looking for isn't there, guaranteed there's something that will work for a layout for, for the content you're going to teach. So I really suggest you dive into the show notes and have a look at these samples because I couldn't not share them for what the way that we're learning, especially here in Ontario, we've uh, in secondary, we're in for at least three weeks at remote learning and this might make our life really easy at the end of the semester. Well, I'm in these documents right now that you're gonna share. And like you said, they are a gold mine. So like I'm looking at the secondary hyperdoc samples and they've organized them. So you've got one for, in your science column, you've got solar energy, astronomy, simple machines, earth surfaces, human development, uh, chemical reactions, all of these varied sections of, of science. And the same goes true for history and ELA and world language and math. And if nothing else, if you're teaching something similar, you've got this huge format already laid out. You've got this great, great framework where you can adjust the the content to yeah. that. And, um, you know, and the elementary one is very similar that way. Uh, yeah, this is just, this is just a great collection. And I spent a, a lot of time in the spring and into early summer uh, putting together a guide that talked more about how do we, how can hyperdocs really be that one tool that we need to teach virtually? Because the, the biggest thing that, that I came to realize and I saw people struggling with the most was the fact that in-person teaching does not automatically translate to online teaching, independent learning, uh, even taking a classroom lesson and trying to do it as a Zoom lesson, it doesn't directly translate. But if you're able to take your content and you're able to put it into HyperDocs, what you're going to do is you're gonna get a format that works, 
but also follows all of the best aspects of the, um, you know, of classroom teaching. So you went through some of them. So like I have the list here, I'll just read through them. So it starts with engage. You gotta, you gotta hook those kids. You gotta grab them. Uh, then it goes to explore and explain, apply, reflect, share, and then an extension there. And <laughs> Can you hear my kids? That's my kids. This is, this oh. is working for oh, me. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is, this, this is life. This, this is, is life. So, this is lunchtime at the Giffins folks. <laughs> Also, it means this guy needs to quick wrap it up because uh, these kids got to eat. So um, anyway, uh, I will be posting. Uh, I'll have this online at uh, MrLosick.com, quick plug. Um, but also, um, we'll put it in the show notes. It's going to be in our show notes here. And it's absolutely free for everybody to use. And what it does is it just explains and it walks you through. So Jen provided this, this huge goldmine of all of these different documents. This gives you a little bit of the the theory behind it. Um, uh, take you through all of the steps, and then really talks about um, applying uh, all of these. You know how the hyperdoc fits into good teaching, and how it models the best of in-person teaching, but it takes kids virtually through all of that. And then, kind of as a bonus, I threw in I have some tutorials for um, docs, forms, sheets and slides that are all embedded in there and um, even has some Jen Giffen content. I just, I was like, I see my name in here. You know what this is, Andy? I, what what you've created here is, you know, TLDR? You know that the acronym that people use? T there's a there's a Chrome extension you can use, but you may have received emails with like TLDR and then a summary. It's too long, didn't read. That's what it stands for. And you've created yep. a TLDR for the HyperDoc handbook. So if you want it, if you're like, yeah, I need this, but I don't have time to read the whole book. What Andy is sharing here is incredible. Well, thank you. And the thing that, that I like the most about it is it's, if you're in the virtual and you're struggling, it gives you the one tool. And once you understand, you read through this and you get the feel of, okay, this is what the HyperDoc does. It's applicable to absolutely anything that you are going to try and teach any any subject matter and that's that's why those lists that you gave are so great because then they can be remixed they can be remodeled um but they're going to be you know within those subject areas already to get going yeah this is awesome what a, what a great what a great gift for people who are looking i love looking through um other people's hyperdocs even when i'm not teaching that subject because i think you know what i i just want i want some I don't know, I, I want a spark inside of me. Like I want to see something really cool and then mm -hmm. remix it for my own needs. And I know I was looking for um, how I could sort of reframe my culminating activity in um, in my grade 12 class. And I came across a hyperdoc about uh, public service announcements. And we've been doing a lot of work around um, prejudice and bias and stereotypes in that course. And I thought this is perfect. I'm going to have them create a PSA. And I was able to remix um, uh, middle school uh, level hyperdoc into something that meets my senior high school kids quite easily and the basis was there so I, I find often that blank page can be daunting but what hyperdocs and looking at other people's do can really give you that springboard for really great success and engagement for your students and i have one more i have like one more testimonial here about hyperdocs uh, i have a colleague two doors down from where i am right now and she was always the one that when she would walk into my classroom with her computer open, my blood pressure would go up just a little <laughs> bit. Just yeah. to, what, what 
let me Google that for you question. Are you bringing to me? And, and last year at the beginning of the year, she had a, a student teacher and she was working while her student teacher was teaching. She was working through some of our district um, self-paced online professional development that we do. And one of them was about creating a more digital classroom and it listed HyperDocs as, as a tool. And, you know, she came and she asked a little bit about HyperDocs and I gave her two examples and, you know, and then she used the other information in the, in the modern teacher modules. And by October, her kids were absolutely flying with hyperdocs i mean she was she was as old as old school as it came but she started to embrace this and see how you know and the thing is it that that cycle that they go through it meets all kinds of needs because a kid can be anywhere personally within that hyperdoc and be working at their own pace while your high flyers are doing the extensions and everything while the ones that are struggling are on the basic stuff and she's able to help them and and it was just it was just awesome to walk out of my classroom and see her kids kind of working in small groups in the hallway and and you know and they're rocking these hyper docs and it was it's like just the most like the biggest jump of personal professional growth I've ever seen in, in one colleague in such a short period of time. And, 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 and this, is, this is a tool that more schools need to embrace and more people need to know about. Absolutely. And, just, and think how well prepared those students would have been too when the pandemic hit and they had to go virtually and how much easier her life was, right? This is why I think it's oh, yeah. important to not, not just look at these tools on, okay, this is how I'm going to use it during a pandemic, but how is this going to continue to, um, to help our, our students and improve our practice once we move beyond this and while we face the next challenge in education? So. Yeah, I mean, I love, we were, I love them. we've been talking blended learning and all of these things. And then it was finally like, oh, this is why. Mm-hmm. But from any great challenge, we discover things that we can continue to use and keep working on. So exactly. uh, that's awesome. All right, Andy, let's end it there because I don't, I don't think we can top HyperDocs. HyperDocs are like my number one tool constantly to go to. HyperDocs and multimedia tech sets. Um, check them out. All of everything that we've talked about will be shared, of course, in the show notes at shooksandgif.com. Andy, thank you for joining me again. Um, oh, it was great. It was yeah. great, Jen. Before we leave, I just want to ask, how, how did that um, EDU Twitter Fantasy Football uh, League go? I think we talked about that last time. You know, it, it was lots of fun to compete yeah. every week, except when I had to compete against team virtual gift because I knew I was in for a drubbing. Congratulations, Jen. Yeah, The first right. ever inaugural Twitter EDU fantasy football champion. Champion! Get Listen, Brian Briggs and his soundboard to give you a round of applause I there need and some cheering. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do have to give credit where credit is due while I manage the team. I have to give a big shout out to my general manager who really did all the work. My husband, Trevor, um, who, who is, uh, he's, he's called Trevor the man for a reason, right? So yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for organizing that. And to everyone else, have a look. Cause I, I, Andy did say he's going to do it next year. If you're into some for glory, only no money, fantasy football fun. Um, for me, it was just so that when I watched football, I had purpose because that's what we do on Sundays at the Giffen household. It's a great time. And Andy, I hope you do run it again. I, I am definitely running again. I might have to do like multiple, multiple divisions of it because 
you know, I've had people saw it and they're like, oh, I wish I was in. Oh, Make fun. sure you let me know next year. So uh, awesome. So yeah, my good. superintendent, my superintendent at Tebow tweets once in. So I don't, I don't know about that, but oh, uh, he won go. our local league. Oh. So, but uh, maybe we'll have to let him in. It's always good. Trevor, we've, well, I found something for Trevor the Man, who's also very much in. If you aren't into football, but you are into U.S. politics, last night I found a uh, it's Fantasy Congress, and you get to draft Congress people from U.S. politics, and you earn points. For example, Mitch McConnell got 74 points for doing I don't know what last week, because I don't know anything about U.S. politics. But that's something to check out, and if I remember, I'll put that in the notes, too. But at that, we will leave you. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> always a blast. Okay. So much fun, Jen. Okay, if you uh, if there's anything in here that inspired you, you had an aha, as we always say, give it a go, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. That's it for this week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think others might enjoy some of this learning, please give us a rating. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found at shooksandgif.com. That's S-H-U-K-E-S-A-N-D-G-I-F-F Com. As always, we would love to hear your ahas on the Anchor app, on our website, on the embedded Flipgrid, or by tweeting at us, sending us an email, or talking to us in real life. I'm Kim Polishuk, and I can be found on Twitter at Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen, and I can be found at Virtual GIF with two Fs. Thanks for listening to Shooks and GIF. And as always, have an aha, give it a go. Shooks and GIF is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.